welcome to Connected, episode 216. And if you celebrate Halloween, I guess, happy Halloween. Our show this week is brought to you by Pingdom, Linode, and PayPal. I'm your host, Stephen Hacken. I am joined by both of my co-hosts. I have Mike Hurley here. Hello, Mike. Uh, Quara tells me that Canadians say, hey, how's, how's it? So, hey, how's it? I'm in Canada hey, right it? now. How, how's, hey, how's, how's, how's what? It. How's, how's it? Okay. How's it? Mm-hmm. And we have uh, freshly off an airplane, Federico Vitici. <laughs> Hello, people of the internet. I'm back in Rome, and I'm sort of jet-lagged, but also I feel pretty good. I can do the show. I'm excited to do the show. I'm happy to be here with you, too. The basic like underpinnings of this episode say it should be a disaster, right? I'm in on a hotel Wi-Fi in a hotel in Canada, Federico just got off a plane, having been in New York for thirty six hours. It, it, the, it feels like they, they said it couldn't be done, but we're going to have a great show. It doesn't matter because we're to, we're back together again. Mm-hmm. That, that's you set a bar now that we have to hit in this episode. I don't think it will be very difficult. I don't. I don't think so either. I think we uh, but yes, it. we are we are slowly working our way back to normal. Last yep. week's episode. Was live in New York. Uh, Federico, you missed that, but Marco Armit joined us in your stead. And a, a, again, a big thanks to Marco for joining us. And if you came out to the Live Connected or the Live Upgrade in, we had in Chicago, uh, thank you so much. It's always fun to like get out and meet people. It's why we do the live shows. And it was just a really fun, fun week. And if you're a Relay FM member, like four seconds ago, I sent the newsletter and I, we sort of did a tour recap in there. You can see some pictures and mm-hmm. hear more about our week. So, um, we plan on doing more of this. We're already kind of talking about some plans for 2019. So if you didn't see us this time out on the road, uh, hopefully we can meet in the future. Catch us next time. Come to WWDC. Yes, we will be there. And uh, we'll be in some other cities probably sometime next year. Just time will tell. We introduced Marco as Federico's American cousin, but I see a tweet now that makes that more confusing. I don't... Mm-hmm. What am I looking at, Federico? Um, this is a picture of, of the, the, the person we had join us yeah, last time. What so, is your cousin's name, by the way? Uh, Marcus, uh, because he's, uh, <laughs> he's of uh, ancient Roman uh, origin. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, Marcus, <laughs> Marcus Armenti is his uh, real name. Oh. <laughs> um, uh-huh. and, he, and he was at the event yesterday, actually. My, my cousin Marcus uh, was at the event. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. He's a... Uh, He's really like shot to prominence. Just one one podcast appearance, he, and now he's getting invited. He to opened events. his blog, uh, Marcus dot org, um, recently, <laughs> 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 and uh, you know, first uh, first blog post that he had got invited to an Apple event uh, was a really mm-hmm. impressive impressive career path, honestly, for Marcus. Uh, he was there. Uh, we had a good time. Yeah, yeah. I complimented him on the on the podcast. Uh, you know, being a first-time guest, I think he did a good job. I think so, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the live show, I shared some unhappiness with the dark theme in Mojave, and one of its um, sort of frustrations for me, at least, is that I can't use the light theme with a dark menu bar and dock. And so I'd, I'd asked the audience, if if you've come across a way to do this, please let me go. And Connected Listener... 
uh, John emailed me and said, hey, there's this uh, stuff you can do in the terminal, which Mike is very comfortable with, to mm. uh, to make this happen. So you can go in here and you basically set a little set of preference, a default to right type thing. Is it is it pseudo kill all um, something? <laughs> kill all dog. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pseudo kill all lights. Kill all lights. Pseudo turn off the lights. <laughs> kill all light. Wow. <laughs> I think you pseudo need a, kill all I think happiness. You need a hyphen in there. So it's pseudo hyphen kill all light. Uh, you know what? I forgot the tilde. That's the problem. <laughs> I, kn- I knew it was going to get me. Backslash, backslash, kill all doc. Right? I think that's basically that's it. So uh, just type that directly into your terminal and it'll be fine. There'll What's be a link the to this. What's the one that erases everything? Isn't there like some like well-known command that just like destroys su- everything? Su- pseudo die. It's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's the command. <laughs> it's like the four horsemen type dealio just for the Macintosh. <laughs> I have I've not had the opportunity to try this, so I admit that I'm passing this along without having experienced what it actually does. But my understanding is that it will let you do the light appearance, but with the dark dock and menu bar, uh, which I prefer. So uh, go check that out. That'll be in the show notes. Federico, where are show notes this week? Um, somewhere. They're somewhere. And he has no, he has no idea what episode number this is. There are slash connected <laughs> slash 216 because that would be the episode number. <laughs> I could have typed any number into the document and he would have read it. Yeah. Like episode four thousand two hundred and seven. No, We're really I getting up there. I have a basic there. understanding of our position in the in the number of shows. I know that it's after mm. two hundred, but before two fifty. So any number there could work in theory. Anything, but yeah. it's two one six. We were recently passed by upgrade in episode numbers because we take the week between Christmas and New Year's off, and Jason does not. Up an upgrade never sleeps. Mm. That's the problem. Neither does Federico, apparently. <laughs> Federico, what did you think of New York City? Uh, I have I have some thoughts. Um, okay. So I've only seen Brooklyn. I'm afraid, uh, of course, I didn't have time. Uh, I really am pleased. I think that is the best for you. I don't know if you could have handled Manhattan. Stephen did not like it. I don't think you would like it. So, uh, okay, so let me, let me go ahead. Um, New York is very cold. Um, the morning of the event... This isn't a general statement. It does get warm there, too, just so you know. I, w- I don't want you to think that it's just like an Arctic wasteland. At this time of the year, yeah, and on the 30th of October, it was very cold compla- c- compared to the 30th of October in Rome. Mm-hmm. It was like 10 degrees Celsius less than Rome. Um, and, and I don't want to say that I was freezing, but it was very cold. It's been cold. It's been cold, for sure. It was cold when we so, were there. Something that I noticed immediately is that people, I think traffic in Rome gets a bad rap. People in New York, the way that they drive, they're basically honking all the time. It's, it's, it's effectively like the honking powers the vehicles. Yes. Like, right, like I, I don't understand it. It's, like it's the wild. first five minutes, I was thinking, well, maybe there's some problem. There's, <laughs> I don't know, like, like an accident ahead or, or somebody driving in a funny way and everybody's honking at this person or something. But then I realized, no, everybody does it all the time. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's really like it makes you nervous it's, because you always fear that something's about to happen. Yeah, and so I asked, and a few people told me that it used to be worse, like in the in the late eighties or something. 
And I don't know if this is true or not, but uh, somebody, I think Casey maybe, told me that regulations were passed to uh, the, so that people would honk less. Like there's a fines or something if you, if you honk without an actual reason. Still, even with these regulations, if they exist, I'm not sure, people honk all the time. And everybody, like, there's a, it feels like there's road work everywhere. Um, and it's quite dirty, uh, at least the area of Brooklyn where I was, um, people honking all the time and everybody seems very nervous and constantly in a hurry. Um, like I didn't get any chill vibes from Brooklyn. Yeah, see, that's funny because Brooklyn is the chill area. This okay, is, so I can only I, I, imagine yeah. how Manhattan you, is going to be. I'm, I'm happy that you did not go to Manhattan on your own. I, I yeah. don't think that you would like it without someone that could like show you around and show you why it's a cool place. I but it is a crazy a busy place. By myself. I'm happy that you were in Brooklyn. I, I think that that was for the best. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Did you eat any emoji? Did you did you see any? No. Did you like gobble on any emoji while you're there? Like no, munch, munch, no. munch, pizzas no. and bagels. No, nothing. I I brought food supplies with me because oh, I Federico. knew that I knew that the the evening that I arrived, mm-hmm. we had a meetup with Jason scheduled at seven, and I yeah. knew that I, that I didn't want to go grab something for dinner by myself okay. in Brooklyn, okay. mm-hmm. and so I I just brought some. Mm, snacks with me mm-hmm. um and the following day i had the apple breakfast i had a breakfast burrito which was surprisingly good uh like a like a mini burrito <laughs> for breakfast yeah that yeah. it was fine really it was, no it's, it was fine. good i it this just continues your love affair with mexican food yes and apple had set up uh i think a taqueria in front mm-hmm. of the opera house this yes, Mexican Jason place. was telling me about this. They basically yeah. just hired out a Mexican yes. restaurant for yes. the day. Yes, <laughs> and it was very nice. It was very yeah. nice. I had a taco, uh, I think, huevos con carne. Uh, it was very oh, good. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't have any bagels, didn't have any New York pizza. Um, and then at lunch, um, I was hanging with Casey, and we just found a Shake Shack nearby, and we yeah, just ate did. a burger. But good I didn't man. get the shake. I didn't get the shake, though. It's okay. Uh, it's okay. The shakes are good. I think the burgers are the best part of Shake Shack. Oh, so. yeah. It was, it was really delicious. Well, you did, you did at least one New York thing. You ate Shake oh, Shack. Because that's a New York thing? Yeah. They are, the, the, there is a, a literal like shack, which was the first Shake Shack, in, I think, Washington Square Park, which is still there. So that is a New York native meal. So you oh, did nice. that at least. Okay. okay. I want to show you Manhattan one day. One day we're going to do it. I want you to see it. Um, I, Steven didn't like it, but and I don't think you'll like it, but I still want to show you it anyway. <laughs> I feel like I need to be in an extremely relaxed mood uh, if I were to visit Manhattan. Like, I didn't help that I was in a hurry, tired, doing this crazy thing of 36 hours by myself. Yes, um, that was the I problem. Don't... Here's the thing, though, right? There's the difference between you and Stephen, though, is you're used to Rome, like the center of Rome, and yeah. I stand by that the center of Rome feels more busy than Manhattan does. Mm. I think it feels busy in a different way, though. I feel like... Well, it's because there's no space to walk or drive in Rome, and there is space in New York, and that's the but difference. judging from the pictures that I've seen, I think, uh-huh. ba- like, because I know myself, I think all the skyscrapers and the tall buildings... Mm. kind of make me nervous and anxious they like trap you in 
Yeah. Yes. Okay. Whereas the the you know the monuments and the fountains and the ancient stuff down. in Rome, they're falling down. You can see through them. <laughs> I right. think it, it makes like there's a there's a combination of crazy traffic, but also this nostalgia, this beauty at the center of Rome that sort of mm-hmm. counterbalances the traffic and and the messiness of people. Um, I don't know what I'm gonna feel in Manhattan with the tall buildings and and the honking and the taxis and. And all the advertisements, like, I feel like, you know, those billboards with the animated graphics yep. and, and pictures everywhere. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to react to that, but I want to okay. see it someday. So, Stephen, what is your review of Manhattan? Thumbs down. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I shared it with you when we were there. It's just way too busy for me. Like, and I understand it's like that is the yeah. that right. Like, there are people who thrive on that, and and I can see that, and I yeah. can understand it. But it's just it's just not for me. I mean, I'm a homebody. I live in a pretty small city. Like, it's just uh, really different. And you know, I, I didn't if, like in London. London is busy and crazy too. But Manhattan just feels like that, like in an aggressive way that I didn't anticipate. Uh, I had I had a nice time. We did a bunch of sightseeing. We had the show. Like. I enjoyed my time there, but it's not a place that I would go f- like on vacation or anything. So I want to balance this out and just to say that I absolutely adore New York. I love Manhattan. Uh, it feels like home to me when I'm there, and I would move to Manhattan and or New York in a heartbeat. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What can mm. I say? I love it. I love it there. It's the one city in the world other than London that I feel like I understand. Like. I can just walk out into the street at any time of day and just like make it work. Like it, it's great. I love it. Everything is just a block away. There's always something just, a, it's great. I love, I absolutely love Manhattan. I love New York. So there is our balance uh, for this episode. And we should, I mean, honestly, we should probably just talk about this for ne- the next 90 minutes. Cause I think it's interesting, but probably people were here to mm-hmm. hear us talk about new Macs and iPads. So we should probably get to that. Right. I, I would expect Should we Mm -hmm. do that? All right, let me thank Pingdom first for supporting this week's episode. Uh, Pingdom are a fantastic company who make website performance monitoring super easy. Everybody loves fast websites, and there are lots of your favorite websites that use Pingdom to make sure that their site is running smoothly. These include Amazon, Slack, BuzzFeed, even RelayFM. These are just some of the companies that use Pingdom to take care of their website monitoring. Websites are complicated. There's no other way to say it. There's so many things going on these days and little independent things can go wrong and can break. Like your website can be working fine, but your user registration and login functionality could be down. Well, with Pingdom, you can monitor everything independently. You can monitor checkout functionality. You can monitor specific pages. Pingdom can make sure that you're having the smoothest site experience possible available to your users. And if disaster strikes, they will let you know immediately. And you can customize your notification options with them. It's really, really cool. All Pingdom needs is your URL, and they will take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code CONNECTED, and you'll get 30% off your first invoice. That is pingdom.com slash RelayFM and the code CONNECTED for 30% of your first invoice our thanks to pingdom for their support of this show our website and relay fm okay so we're gonna dive into products this was all about products products except for the weird part about the apple store in the middle uh before we do that though i wanted to ask you guys something i haven't watched the keynote a second time we're recording early today and normally if we do this i try to slice in like a, a re a second viewing 
but it seems like Tim Cook was just very excited about everything. Like, like he had way too much coffee. Like, uh, here's the thing: I think Tim really enjoyed the cheering, and this is not a thing. Like, I understand it, right? But like, I think the, the crowd, and you can attest to this, Federico, seemed very excited for the entire time. The there were a lot of um a lot of Apple store employees, I think, uh with the with the blue t shirts and, and Tim was constantly looking up because there was like a second level sort of a balcony type setup in the theater and there were a lot of employees there. And so I think he really enjoyed the cheering that was going so on. So I think that, that that he was like feeding on that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's always strange to me, like this is a press event. And that's how I think about it, because like our friends in the press are there. It, it does seem like Apple has employees. They have retail employees, you know, uh, at least there yesterday. And so the cheering was sort of distracting, honestly. And like I, I, I find it a little off-putting because it's like this is a press event. Press most of the time aren't cheering for things. They're there to work. Uh, it's just sort of a, a surreal thing for me. But I don't know. Maybe I'm old. Federico, did you cheer at anything? I Okay. Yes, I I did for the iPad Pro, yep. um, and for Lana the Ray because I okay. love her, um, and so she's awesome. And I was really happy that I also got a free musical performance out of the event, uh, which, which was. Very I thought nice. we'd moved past the age of musical performances. There hasn't been one in a long time. Yeah, me too. But I guess the venue that they were in kind of demanded it. You know, like they were in uh, like an opera house. Like, come on, you've got to have some. And you're in the Brooklyn Academy of Music. Like, you've got to, you kind of got to do it. And and I think it's cool that they did. We are going to talk about some Mac products today. We're going to go in the order Apple went in, and that means starting with the MacBook Air. Uh, there had been lots of conversation about the low end of the Mac lineup, and there's going to be like a new consumer laptop, and they didn't really do that. They sort of took the MacBook Air and made it new again. Uh, so real quickly, uh, it is the same wedge design, but in a smaller package because it has smaller bezels. There's like thick silver aluminum bezels are gone. Uh, the Air, it, of course, the the highlight here is a retina display. It uh, is a little bit less bright than the MacBook Pro. There's no P3, so that none of that like wide color gamut stuff. No True Tone, but it's retina. Honestly, that's... Oh, I didn't know it didn't have the white color. It does not. Um, huh, okay. Which is fine. It's still, it's still better. It, has... it kind of tricked me because they, they I'm, I'm sure that's why they did it. Not to trick, but just to make... Because I think they said something like 40% more color or something. Yeah, they did say more color. Yeah. Yeah, but not all the color to get to yeah. the wide color gamut. Which again, I think is fine. Like, totally fine. Two Thunderbolt 3 ports, the SD card slot and USB-A ports have been banished. It has Touch ID without a touch bar, which may be the most interesting thing to me on this computer. Let me ask you a question, because I'm sure you've you've already mined the K-Base. Yes. That is where the power button used to be, mm-hmm. and the key is blank. So how do you turn this laptop on? You push it. That button pushes down, same as the touch bar machines. That's, it's... Oh, uh, I was gonna say I was about to say it's weird that they didn't print anything on it. I'm assuming they can't. I bet they can't print on it, yeah, right? That, so that Touch ID thing is like you pried it off my Touch Bar MacBook Pro and stuck it on a MacBook Air. It looks the same. It acts the same. Yeah. Um, oh, so is on t- on on the the Touch ID one. That's also the power button. Just yes. the blank key. Yes. Uh, the, okay. it, it actually okay. is a button. It depresses 
to do the power yeah. stuff. So it doesn't look like it would, but it does. It does press down. That's a good question because like, which means that like every time someone uses Touch ID, they accidentally press the button. I'm sure that <laughs> no, you just no, you, you just rest your finger on it. Like how strong are your index finger muscles? What are you doing? Very. You wouldn't even believe. I have no control over them. Very strong. It has the T2 chip that we saw in the iMac Pro and the MacBook Pro, and it's doing all of its T2 type stuff. So it's doing the uh, secure boot process stuff. It is managing the SSDs. It is keeping your FaceTime camera safe. This does mean that this has super fast SSD performance. That seems to be kind of where Apple's going. Marco said that on last week's Connected. That would make him happy if all Macs move to the T2 sort of world, and it seems like that's happening. Yeah, if this one got it, they're all going to get it, right? Because this yes, is it's the bottom of the line, yeah, it's the, in theory. And what's uh, pretty cool is Apple is making the cases for the Retina MacBook Air out of aluminum that is salvaged during the construction process of the iPad Pro. You said something very hurtful in Upgrade yesterday that I need to address. I just think it's hilarious. Okay, go on. You, you, I believe, I, I, I don't have the quote in front of me, but you said it was the perfect metaphor that, it is. that Macs were being built out of the rims. The shavings of iOS devices. Of yeah. iOS devices. I think, it's a, I think it is a beautiful metaphor that says absolutely everything you need to know about the, how, what, the products that Apple sells. Like, they sell so many more iOS devices. They are literally no, making... No, no, it's just the iPad. It's just the iPad. That's what they said for now. They sell so many more iPads. <laughs> uh, they, they they just mentioned it. I I my expectation is it it, it it it's also iPhones, but like they just haven't spoken about it because mm. they just said that like oh and during because they didn't talk about the iPhone, like they can't be selling that many of this iPad or making of that many of this iPad that they could use just the shavings of this iPad to make all these Macs because they're all coming out at the same time. Like how could they have done that? Right? Like, Maybe they've been like sweeping up for a while. No, no, I, I expect it's like it is all al- aluminium that is being used in iOS devices. It's just being collected up. and I'm sure it is. I just wanted to share my... It is funny to me. I'm sorry. Like it's, it's funny, right? Like It is funny. It's kind of just like it's a very cool thing that they're doing, but it's like that it shows the misbalance um, of iOS devices to Macs now that iOS devices are so much smaller than Macs, but they make so many of them disproportionately that they can use the literal shavings to make the bodies of the of the other products. It's it's funny to me. It's super cool though, right? Like they're not having. It's amazing. It's amazing. Like th- this is this is a real step forward. Like okay, like it, it was either this or you had to stop using aluminium, like in the long run, right? Because it was bad for the environment. This is awesome. I mean, of course, the problem is they're still doing it for the iPhones, but they're at least make having some benefit out of the process that they're able to make other products out of recycled aluminium. I hope that at some point that they can try and push some of this into the iPhone line as well so they become partly recycled, right? Like you make one and then you use the shavings of that one for the next one, like that kind of thing, you know? I, I would hope that they can try and make this more of like a sustaining thing going into the future. It'd be cool. And it seems like you would never know this. Like in your mind, you may be picturing um, like those bouncy balls that they make out of recycled rubber so it's like all different color bouncy ball stuff together right like that's what i would love though i i would absolutely love to have a macbook made out of the shavings of iphone 10r aluminium <laughs> that would look right? crazy How cool would that look? <laughs> it would look incredible it would look like your ios home screen it would 
No, my my home screen is is pretty chill right now. At least the the photo, anyway. I believe Gray called it uh, unicorn vomit once on Cortex. I think it was clown vomit. Clown vomit, but yeah, one or the other. The unicorn ate a clown, and then and out, threw it out up. came your home screen. Anyways, mm-hmm. so this is by all appearances. A new MacBook Air. It's the design that people liked so much. Oh, Federico, did you see one? I saw one. I honestly didn't even bother to touch it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I took a picture of it. Looked It looked all right. Um, but I went to check out the Mac Mini because I was <laughs> more interested in that. We'll uh, talk about that in a bit. So, yeah. 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 So, yeah. it's 2.75 pounds, which is like getting closer and closer to MacBook territory. Uh, which we could talk about the relationship between these machines. Uh, pricing, just briefly, it starts at eleven ninety nine for a dual core i five. Uh, you can go up to sixteen gigabytes of RAM and up to one point five terabytes worth of again all SSD storage. There's been some conversation around the CPU, so this is a one point six gigahertz uh core i5 is what they call it it's dual core it turbos up to 3.6 gigahertz uh, turbo turbo it seems like this is a processor that is more closely related to what is in the 12 inch macbook than what mm-hmm. was in the old air and what is currently in the two port macbook pro which I would have bet money would have gone away after this machine came out, but it seems like this MacBook Air is closer is going to be closer to the MacBook in terms of performance. Now, I don't want to go too far into this because these things have not been reviewed by people we trust. They have not been benchmarked by people we trust. The clock speed says it should be noticeably faster than the 12-inch MacBook, but it's not going to be as flexible of a machine performance-wise as the old MacBook Air was in its day. And so I think some people are upset about that. I think that's understandable. I want to hold judgment. I wrote this this morning on 512. I want to reserve judgment until we see what this machine is like in the real world. You know, you're getting Mm -hmm. two Thunderbolt ports. You're getting 12-hour battery life. It's in a fanless design. This seems like it could be a really great consumer notebook. And that it's fine if it can't do Final Cut. Like, this is not what this machine is for. So I think people who are like really upset about this maybe need to take a breath let's see how it actually performs and then we can talk about it when we know more i don't think that it's fine if it can't do final cut like uh, the macbook air was such an important machine for me and it was where i started doing all of my stuff right like i think it would be a shame if it can't handle that stuff better than the macbook can i I think it would be a shame because it's more expensive than the MacBook, right? Like it feels like it fits in the line. I think I think it would be a shame, honestly. Like, but but at the, at the same time, I don't really have a dog in this fight. Um, I think that this looks like a mighty fine computer for most people, um, mm. and I think that for most instances it would be really great, right? Like it looks really cool, right? Like it's got a lot of cool stuff in it, especially Touch ID. I think is awesome, but I think it would be a shame if it if it handles the pro apps as bad as the MacBook does, because it's not good. Yeah, no, the MacBook is not for good for that. One difference, though, between now and then is that you can get a MacBook Pro with a higher wattage CPU, which means it can run hotter and run hotter longer 
for a hundred more dollars. So like mm-hmm. in the day when you were starting out to go from a MacBook Air to a MacBook Pro was would have been a lot more money. Yeah, at least more than a hundred dollars. I still feel like Apple didn't really clear up their product line. Like if anything, it's it's more confusing now. Mm. So, mm-hmm. J- so I have a tweet here from a guy called Jamie West who sent it to you. This is the current like offerings from Apple. It's MacBook, MacBook Air previous generation, current generation MacBook Air, MacBook Pro 13-inch without touch bar, MacBook Pro 13-inch, and MacBook Pro 15-inch. And Jamie asked you, Stephen, is this the most laptops Apple has ever offered at one time? It's pretty close. So like in the G4 days, you had the 12 and 14-inch iBook. Then you had the 12, 15, and 17-inch PowerBook. So this is like this is the most as far as I can think of uh, that we've had. You know, for a while Apple had the MacBook Air and the MacBook and then the MacBook Pros, but there were fewer size options. So like mm-hmm. it is confusing. And it, like so, the thing I always talk about is like if you have eleven, twelve hundred dollars and you walk into a store, what do you buy? That's more confusing now. And what I was really hoping for is that there'd be a really clear answer. Say, hey, if you're going off to college, your kid's going off to school, whatever, you just need a notebook, what do you buy? Like, what Mac do you buy? I really want the MacBook Air today, this new MacBook Air, to be the default answer. I think mm-hmm. it probably still will be, again, depending on where those benchmarks end up. If this thing is only 5% faster than the MacBook, then, like, what's the MacBook doing? The MacBook has one fewer port. The port is less useful. It only weighs, what, like 0.7 pounds less? Like, why mm-hmm. does that machine exist? Why isn't this the thin and light? So there's still just like, the waters are still muddy. But I'm, I'm glad this machine is here because it does, I think it does show that Apple is paying attention to this market. I just think that they haven't quite gotten all the way where I think a lot of us would like for them to be. I think the price is the hardest part, though. Like, it, it coming in at $1,200... I think is 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 difficult. I think that's the difficult thing. And I think that it's not going to help the people that didn't know what to do before. Like you know, this this and I think this is why the existing MacBook Air still exists at nine hundred and ninety nine dollars because people want that price point and this machine should have replaced the nine nine nine, but it but it hasn't. And I, I can see why. Like the technology says it's a you know, I can see why it's there. I really feel like that price point should have been the thing that they were trying to hit first. And I guess you could leave things out like the T2 and the Touch ID. And my guess is then you have a, a $999 laptop in Apple land. But mm-hmm. if Apple is going to take the time to revise this notebook and they didn't put this stuff in, then like then it's it's behind again in only a couple of years. And so sure, sure. my my hope, so today where we are, my hope moving forward is that in the next year or 18 months, Apple can bring the, the, the price of the air down even to like $1,099, like even $100 less is a big deal in yep. this market and then kill the, the 999 MacBook Air. Like I, because it's a $200 gap, I understand why it's still there. But if they can drop yeah. it a hundred bucks, get rid of the old one. That's a better situation than where we are now. I think. Yep, I agree. Like, as, this is a good machine. I just think that there are 
questions about this machine, which there isn't for any of the other stuff, really. I think everything else that they announced was pretty much at the home run, but yeah, not this one. So, so it's yeah. close. You know, if I if I had someone in my life looking for a notebook, I think this is what I would tell them uh, because it's um, it seems to be the best balance between like performance and size. Again, mm-hmm. not knowing the full benchmark story, but I would definitely like if someone's looking at a twelve inch MacBook or this, I one hundred percent would recommend this. It's not that much bigger. You get two ports. It will be faster, and the the disc access will be way faster than on the MacBook. Yeah, to me, like. Uh, increasingly the more i think about this i just don't know why the macbook is still around like i really no. at its price point and its performance mm. i just don't quite get it yeah this was my only takeaway from from this segment of the event like i don't understand what's the role of the macbook at this point uh it seems like this is the basic computer that unless you want to buy a macbook macbook pro this is the one you should get I don't understand why you would be interested in the MacBook at this point. It sort of feels like a repeat of the situation that used to be like years ago. Uh, we used to have the MacBook and the MacBook Air, like the previous generation MacBook. And then Apple simplified the product line, if I'm not mistaken. And we only had the yep. MacBook Air, which was the you know the one that I bought and that I used for many, many years, the 2011 The greatest version. Mac that Apple's ever made. <laughs> like that. It's just yes. so incredible, right? Like I love that computer. Yep. Everyone I love that computer. It was great. And then they, they, they reintroduced the MacBook in 2015. And it feels like we're hitting that point again of over-complicated product line and we need to bring back simplification. Um, it's just confusing why we have two similar computers. Um, and one is better now, and but the other is still around. I I I don't get it. So um, I'm not in the market for a MacBook MacBook Air, but it looks like a fine computer. Uh, I'm interested, if only from a conceptual standpoint, in the benchmarks because I think Mike uh, makes a great point about uh, you know even if this is your the computer that you want to start with and you're going off to college, I think it's important that you're able to run these pro apps for you know creative uses. Uh, because I can relate to the idea of first Mac, uh, first time I'm starting to play with something creative that maybe in the future could become my job, maybe. So, yeah, we'll see We'll see what the benchmarks are like. And, and it really doesn't need to run them well, but it needs to be able to do things like the MacBook comp, which is yeah, like, exactly. if I'm rendering in Photoshop, it, it rendering in Final Cut, and plugged in the battery drains. Like that was a problem that I had with the MacBook. Like that is, I understand what's going on here, but that shouldn't be happening. So we'll we'll see. I guess we'll see. Uh, but we should talk about happier things. Uh, but before we do, let me thank Linode for their support of this week's episode. Linode will give you access to a suite of powerful hosting options for you to start your own virtual server. Server You can run it in the Linode cloud. You can get it set up in under a minute and their prices start at just $5 a month. Linode offer industry-leading performance with native SSD storage, a 40 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. This is the best stuff that you can get. They have 10 data centers spread across the world, meaning you can serve your customers faster than ever before. Everything is manageable via the command line, which we all know that I love. And they have an API that allows you to easily automate tasks or develop custom applications in the Linode 
cloud. All of their pricing tiers feature hourly billing. They have a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups and no balances. And they have absolutely fantastic pricing options available. They have high memory plans that start with 16 gigabytes of RAM or more, and that's super awesome. But their regular plans start at just $5 a month, and you can get one gigabyte of RAM on that plan. As a listener of this show, if you sign up right now at Linode.com slash connected, that's L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash connected, you'll support us and also get $20 credit towards any Leno plan. So if you sign up for that one gigabyte of RAM plan, you have four months that you can try it out for. They also have a seven-day money-back guarantee on all their plans, so there's absolutely nothing to lose. Go to linode.com slash connected to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit, or use the promo code CONNECTED2018CONNECTED2018 at checkout. Our thanks to Linode for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. All right, it's here. It's real. The Mac Mini is alive. Can't believe it. I couldn't, even though I knew it was going to happen, <laughs> I can't believe that it's happened. Uh, it's 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 great. They had a great video. They were making fun of it, which I enjoyed. Right? Oh, it very was good. amazing. The video it's was very amazing. good. Yeah. So, Federico, I think we should start with you. How excited are you oh, about God. this okay. machine? Because I know um, I don't know if we mentioned <laughs> we did mention this on the show that like you need a new computer and you were w- yes. kind of waiting for this. Yes, um, I'm very excited. Uh, I just discussed this with Sylvia, and we're gonna do it. Um, I'm going to buy a Mac Mini um, for a variety of reasons. Um, so uh, earlier this year, our uh, Synology home server died a very ugly death, and we realized that we, you know, just a few weeks uh, were needed to realize that we needed to find an alternative to. Our home server, because we really like uh, using Plex and sort of having a backup space for all of our stuff, essentially. Then, um, second factor, uh, I realized that I don't really need a portable Mac computer uh, myself, because when I'm at home and I'm doing podcasts, I I could use a desktop Mac. And if I'm traveling, I can just use Sylvia's MacBook Pro. So there's really no need for me to have a portable macbook we're in the process of buying new furniture and changing a few things in our apartment just because we wanted to try something new you know try a different layout uh buy a bunch of new stuff and one of my wishes was i want to get a new desk i want to get like a slightly bigger desk and i want to have like a different setup more you know more elegant uh, cable management for example Uh, i would like to have ideally a bigger display and so we sort of, uh, I proposed the idea of what if I, what if Apple announces a Mac Mini, this was like this summer. I was talking to Sylvia and I was like, what if Apple announces a Mac Mini and I could probably end up with a new desk, a new 4K display and a Mac Mini and everything would be nice and neat and, you know, cable ma- management done right. And I could sell my MacBook Pro. And so I came into this event hoping that Apple would actually also announce their own display, but Apple is not doing that, which is fine. I'm going to buy a display from somebody else. So uh, I'm going to buy a Mac Mini. I'm still not sure what configuration I want to get. Ideally, I would like to future-proof this machine as much as possible. I think you're going to have so to, right? So we can talk right? about that. <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna they're going to update this again very soon. <laughs> 
I'm in the I'm in the market for uh, 4K or 5K display recommendations. Ideally, I wouldn't want to get the LG one because I think it looks really ugly with the black plastic around it. I don't think you're gonna find anything nicer. I know, but if anybody has recommendations for a nice 4K or 5K display that looks nicer than the LG uh, one. You, if you're starting to look for like decent stuff in the 4K, 5K range, they end up becoming gaming monitors, which have yes. all kinds of garishness. No, there, there's plenty of Dell yeah. stuff out there. They're, it's way better than it used to be. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. All right, so so my my requirements are it needs to, so if it's a gaming monitor and it supports the, like the high refresh rate refresh rates that's fine i actually kind of like that um it needs to work with the mac mini of course and it also needs to work with the new ipad pros mm. so i would like to have a single display that i can use with my mac mini and i can use with my ipad pro uh so that that was the dream and we're going to do it so I'm really happy that there's a new Mac Mini because it means I can simplify and I can actually rethink my entire desk setup uh, with this new machine. So Stephen, what is this Mac Mini? Well, it's it's for pros because it's yep. space gray. <laughs> hey, I'm a pro. You are a pro. Uh, yeah. I do yeah. podcasting. Yeah. Why would you? Why would you lead your sentence with that? Like, well, it's for pros. Like, because I, I think that Apple saying space gray is for pros is stupid. <laughs> Mm. but whatever uh no, it i'm pro you are you are pro well the the, the mac mini com- the, sorry the macbook air comes in space gray too yeah it's a pro as long as you just use pages and <laughs> keynote you'll be fine it's a it's a professional web browsing machine oh <laughs> chromebooks that's what mm, we that's, want no we don't okay so let's get into oh. this from the outside this looks like the same mac mini we've known for a long time but like we said it's in space gray now but inside, mm-hmm. it's all new. Apple put the Mac Mini down, got a big ice cream scooper, scooped out all the guts, and put all new guts Ooh. in, which is exactly nice. how hardware engineering works, I'm pretty sure. Oh. It's like pumpkin carving. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The uh, the cooling is all new, and we will soon see, see why. Uh, <laughs> every single... Yeah. Mac Mini is at least a quad-core CPU. So this was the big complaint in mm-hmm. 2014 where they took my beloved quad-core Mac Mini, which I have at home and I'm replacing now. Uh, they got rid of it and made them all dual-core, which was a huge step backwards. They led the the conversation with their all quad-core, but you can go up to a six-core i7 if you, uh, if you want to. Uh, around back, we have four Thunderbolt 3 ports, two USB-A ports, Again, the T2 is present doing its T2 stuff. There's no SD card slot because uh, that's that's gone now except for the iMac and iMac Pro. And because it's the T2 and this is a new modern Mac as I, uh, want, as I wished for last week, it is all SSD. No spinning disk, no fusion drive, uh, all SSD. You can go up to, uh, I believe, two terabytes of storage uh, on these things now. As far as the happyometer goes, you did you got pretty much everything you wanted for this Mac Mini. I did, and there, there's a couple of things I want to I want to talk about, but I want to lead my like my opening statement on the Mac Mini is this is great. Like this is the machine that I wanted to replace my home server with. This is a machine that if I was building a desktop for a family member, uh, I would strongly look at this over the iMac, especially because the iMac didn't get updated, which we'll talk about in a little while. It's really great that they have seemed to listen to what people were using the Mac Mini for. So the old Mac Mini was $499, and it came from the idea 
I still think like the the 2014 Mac Mini was still rooted in the idea that it's for switchers, and we've talked about this on the show a bunch. Switchers don't want a desktop. Switchers want to go buy a MacBook or a MacBook Air or a MacBook Pro. Again, that's confusing, and that's why that's a problem. Or an iPad. Probably, probably not an iPad. But um, yep, definitely iPad. Desktop switchers are not. They still exist because they're all emailing me right now. But like, on the whole, it's a much smaller market than it used yep. to be. And what has happened to the Mac Mini is enthusiasts have looked and said, "Hey, I need a Mac for something. This thing's really small and quiet." I'll just buy one to stick in my office or under my TV, or I'm going to fill an entire rack of them with because I'm uh, Mac Stadium and this is what we do for a living. Like, it's such a versatile machine, and Apple has created a new version of it that speaks to that versatility. So, I've had this thing we've talked about it before where the iMac from that cheap one that I complained about last week in New York to the most expensive 5k there's an iMac for everybody if you want one you can get one with just the specs you want and the Mac mini now falls into that as well I have some concerns about the low end one but the Mac mini is now a much broader system than it's ever been and I think that's a good thing because people use them for anything you can imagine uh, so that's that's all really good, and that makes me happy. Stephen, can you can you can you explain to me what <laughs> this is gonna sound stupid? I'm sorry. What's the difference between Core i5 and Core i7? Is it just like the the i7? It sounds bigger, so I assume it's faster. It's two more. It's two more eyes. So as you as you move up from uh, let's just talk about i5 and i7. Depending on what exact CPU we're talking about, the clock speeds are higher. Sometimes the core counts are higher, again, depending on which ones we're talking about. And things like the the buses, maybe uh, you know, they, they may be able to work on a faster bus. They may have uh, more built-in memory. So it's it's the processors are better as you move up the line. I just sent you a screenshot of the setup that I would like to to have. The uh, yeah, you should. That's yeah, you bought the big boy there if you're looking at that one. I like that this Intel Core i7 has an Ottava Generazione. Yeah. It's in Italian. So I recognize the numbers. So <laughs> that's good. Uh, and the turbo boosts are also faster as you move up. Yeah. What's weird about the Mac Mini, the sev- to hit 799, they put in a quad-core i3, which doesn't turbo boost. So it doesn't ramp up its speed under load, which means like day-to-day use the i3 would be totally fine. Like if you're just buying a family computer, the i3 is more than enough. But if you want to do anything past that, uh, it's worth at least going to the i5 because you get the the better speeds and the better tur- and, and the turbo boost period. So I went for the i5, Federico. You're looking at the i7 for what you want to do doing a Plex server and like transcoding stuff. Uh, I would I would definitely spend the money on the i7. Yeah, yeah I think you're what you're looking okay, at makes sense know. for what okay. you want to do. What's bananas is that you can spend forty two hundred dollars on a Mac mini. That's a six core i7, 64 gigabytes of RAM, two terabyte SSD, 10 gig ethernet, like the iMac pro. That is a lot of computer, but it has like all Mac minis, the integrated Intel graphics. You cannot buy Mm. a Mac mini. You can't buy a Mac mini with a discrete GPU. Is that bad? Struggled with this over the last, you know, I guess since yesterday, trying to understand where the Mac Mini fits in relation to the other Macs, especially when it comes to the GPU performance. And where I've landed is the Mac Mini is, roughly speaking, 
the 13 inch MacBook Pro. So I have a 13 inch MacBook Pro. I have the fast uh, processor in mine. I've got 16 gigs of RAM in it. I have a terabyte SSD, but it still just has integrated graphics. Now, for what I do on that, it's totally fine because it's mostly audio editing. But if you want to make a Mac Mini into a video editing station and you want it to be as fast as you can get it, that real will require buying an external GPU and connecting it via Thunderbolt. I don't love that. I wish that there would have been a Mac Mini with a a better graphics option, at, at least as like a CTO. Like, hey, if you want to spend all this money, you can add a real GPU. But I think I've softened on that over the last 24 hours, really realizing that the Mac Mini is a pro machine up to a certain point. So if you're doing 3D rendering... You, you're going to buy an iMac Pro or next year a Mac Pro. The Mac Mini isn't for that type of Pro. But if you do what we do, which is like some automation, uh, a bunch of audio processing, some video stuff, a loaded Mac Mini should totally get you through because the loaded 13-inch MacBook Pro can get you through that stuff too. And so while I would like to see a Mac Mini with a real GPU in it, A, eGPU stuff's better than ever, but B, I think it's fine because like, I think they say it's a pro machine, but that doesn't mean it has to be for all pros, right? Like there's really not a computer except maybe the iMac Pro that is for every type of Mac user working in a professional setting. And I think I'm okay with it. Like I wasn't initially, but I think that it's fine. I think this is a great machine. And I think that people who need a Mac mini have a lot to be thankful for today, way more than they had to be thankful two days ago. And, uh, so yeah, Federica, like you're looking at the i7 six core. I bought the i5 because mine. I'm not. I don't use Plex. I'm not transcoding on mine. Mine is really a file server mm-hmm. and does some network stuff. So I just kind of bought the middle of the road one because I'm going to use it for you know my last my last one's a 2011. So I've gotten seven years out of it. Uh, I like to get seven years out of this one. So I just went middle of the road, and I think it's going to be a huge upgrade for me and for anyone else who is using a Mac Mini at this point. All right, very nice. So I'll um. I'll wait until I actually have a new desk and and understand how much space I have available. I will look into the people in the chat room are saying the Dell Ultra Sharp uh, could be an option. Um, so I'll see I'll see which one I prefer and uh, I I think that before I think in the month of November I should be able to have my new setup in theory so we'll see yeah that's gonna be exciting keep us posted on that we'd like to see what you end up with and and the mac mini is so great because you can just tuck it under the display and it's like takes up you know very little space and i know people were clamoring for it to be smaller i don't really care in fact one thing they did do is that the ports on the back at least power and ethernet line up with where they do on the old system and so if you're like me and mine's underneath my tv i'm just going to unplug my old one and plug the new one in like i'm not going to disassemble my entire like TV situation to get to this thing. Or if you're Mac stadium and you have, you know, hundreds and hundreds or thousands of these things, you can be able to slot them in more easily without doing a lot of reconfiguration stuff, which is like a nice thing that using the same chassis provides. So I'm glad that's, um, I'm glad that's the same. Uh, Mike, you've talked on and off about a Mac mini. Is this enough to push you over the edge? This is something I am going to do. I just am not sure when because what I want to do with it is like set up like a home server situation, which is more than just buying the machine. I need the time to do it. 
Um, so this is like a project that I will undertake at some point in the near future, I think. Because it's like, okay, I don't have a home server. There's a bunch of things I would want to do with one. So I need to kind of like get the machine, sit down, set it all up, like work out how I want to connect the thing. Do I want to connect it to the my iMac in some way so I can have like network attack storage? Like what do I want to do? Um, and, and then I'm, I'm going to work it out. I think we should talk about this at some point yes. where we can help Mike understand what he wants to do with a, with a home server. Uh, and then I'll, and then I'm probably going to go for it. Cool. Yeah. I'm happy to dive into that with you. Uh, mine will be mm-hmm. here next week. I, I ordered it yesterday. So maybe I'll unbox it on the show next week. <laughs> That's what people want to hear. Unboxing. Yeah. Mini. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this just sounds really good. Real quickly before we move into iPads, um, I think we, j- we should mention that the, the MacBook Pro is going to be updated uh, next month, air quotes, with an option to put the Vega mobile graphics chipset in it. In it. So this is a derivative of what's in the iMac Pro. This has been shipping in a bunch of other notebooks. Apple's late to the game on this. But uh, they say that the new graphic options will deliver 60% faster performance uh, for video editing, 3D design, and rendering workloads. Having So I looked into this yesterday because I, I knew this chipset existed, but I wasn't super familiar with it. And seeing some videos on YouTube and reading some articles, if you buy a MacBook Pro with this in it you know, starting next month, it is going to be drastically faster for GPU-based tasks. Uh, I assume it's only going to be in the 15. I couldn't find anything saying that for sure. But again, looking at what else is on the market, these things are big and hot, so they end up in 15-inch notebooks. I'm sure it'll hurt the battery life. But if you need a MacBook Pro as like a, a video workstation, uh, your life's getting ready to be a lot better if you buy one of these. So uh, we'll keep an eye on this when they come out. I'm sure there'll be a review of it somewhere. But uh, I just wanted to kind of point that out because it was buried in like the MacBook Air press release. like, just, And now it's on the MacBook Pro page, uh, but sort of a, a quieter story. Uh, and then there was no iMac. And the iMac assumedly would use the same chips that are in the Mac Mini or, or you know, related chips where you have quad core and six core. Uh, we talked last week about what would make me happy with the iMac getting rid of the non-retina, getting rid of the spinning drives. This makes me feel good about the spinning drive going away because, assumingly, the iMacs will all move to the T2 architecture as well. But they didn't make the cut this time. Uh, you know, my guess is that they they had a lot of stuff going on in the Mac team, and uh, they just didn't get these done in time. So maybe we'll see these as a press release at some point, probably after the new year. Uh, we had some people on Twitter asking, like, hey, I've been in the market for an iMac. What do I do? The iMacs now are good. Uh, I, I would say if you're especially looking at the 5K and you can hold off, my my guess is that they would be six-core machines. My hope would be that they would have better cooling because even the, the Retina 5K iMac now can be loud. So if you can get a high-end iMac... And maybe wait. I don't normally say that, but I feel like the next revision could be a big deal. Now, if you're looking at a 21 inch, a 4K, they'll be better, but I don't think they have as much ground to make up. So maybe if you need to do that, a smaller one, go for it. But I think if you're in the market for a 5K iMac, I would hold on until the new ones are out. Yeah, it's interesting to me. I haven't done this. It's like, how long is it going to be? This is, it, it, there is a frustration now where it's like, well, now we have the next thing to to keep asking about it's like oh man <laughs> why can't we just be chill on the max rip it's like where's the mac mint where's the imax now like that's going to be the next thing when we're four years away and there's no new imac that'd be fun 
No. no. <laughs> be, be the opposite of fun. Oh, okay. Today's show is brought to you by PayPal. With PayPal, you can rely on a trusted payments partner that processes over 25 million payments per day. Let me tell you a story about a PayPal customer who uses PayPal to handle their payments processing. Once an attorney in New York City, Linda transformed her hobby of locating hard-to-find items and turned it into a thriving luxury consignment company called Linda's Stuff. What was once a passion project is now a 100-person company in a 93,000-square-foot facility. As a company specializing in high end previously owned goods reputation is everything to linda stuff integrity and trust are a critical part of how the company operates from day one linda has counted on paypal to give to help give her customers confidence and protect her business from fraud even when selling internationally she has counted on paypal every step of the way when it comes to your growing business paypal is a payments partner for today and tomorrow visit paypal.com slash growth to set up a business account today. Sign up for free right now at paypal.com slash growth. Our thanks to PayPal for their support of this show and Relay FM. The main event. Everyone was waiting for it. I think it paid off. New iPads. These new iPads, they're very exciting, gentlemen. I am... I said this on Upgrade. I'm thinking about it, and I think I mean it. I am more excited for these iPads than I was for the iPhone ten. Oh, because yeah. the iPad is the device I care about most mm, anyway, maybe. right? Uh, it, it, this is how, you know, and I have wanted new hardware for a while, especially on the larger size, and they have effectively delivered in every thing that I was looking for and over-delivered in certain places. Like, for example, Face ID. Face ID working in all four orientations mm. seems like magic to me i yes i was hoping at best that we would get two right and fearing that it would just be one yeah i saw it i saw it working upside down and it was just it, would, it just worked like no nothing so fancy, we're assuming that the difference uh, was, is really in nice. the a12x to do this right because i mean i mean that's that would be my assumption why can't the iphones do it i think they said in the keynote it was a combination of making changes to the face id sensors and right the neural network so it seems like it's i mean that's all hardware i guess like um and then the software that runs in the neural engine which is like not software but is software uh so it it seems like this is more than just the processor uh I, i you know People say both things with the iPhone. I wish it was just more forgiving. So if you're laying down and the phone's upright, it would work. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's all I want. I don't need to use my iPhone upside down, right? Like, uh, right. But it's but it's a must on the iPad, and so I'm glad they've gotten it right. Yeah, it would have been a disaster, right? Because neither orientation would have been right. You know, like there would have been problems with either. So yes. I, I'm super excited that it's all of them. Um, the new design is really exciting. I love the flat edges. It it looks so good to me. It's funny because like this was the design that wouldn't go away, right? Like on the iPhone, right? Which started with the 4 and went all the way yeah. up to the SE um, and still is there, right? With like the chamfered edges and the flat edges. But there's just something about it on the iPad that looks really freaking good and I'm very excited about it. Federico, how does it feel to hold though? Uh-uh. I was thinking about this, about the design. Um, I was kind of worried, and I wrote this in my. I know. First look at you! You're so cool. With your first impressions, like you're like a pro blogger now. Yeah. Uh, well, something like that. Um, 
I, I was concerned that it was going to look and feel chunky to hold. Um, but in practice, you, it really, it's really nice. I feel like the flat edges, they, um, they contribute to increasing mm. the grip of the device, which is important when you have bezels so small. Uh, I feel like it's, it's easier to hold. And also it's got this... I was thinking about the look. It's got this look that is a mix of like the iPhone 4 aesthetic, but also this kind of 70s type retro look. It reminds me of an old Sony product. Why is that? Uh, almost like it's got the Sony aesthetic. I don't know, but I was thinking about it, like why do you why do I associate this look not just with the iPhone 4, but also Maybe with the Maybe it's old the Sony rounded product. edges of the screen. And Okay, go for it. Oh, hold on. Hold on. I lo- I looked into it and I remembered that when Apple went to trial against Samsung, you remember that yep. a bunch of iPhone yep. prototypes came out? Um, one of them was called the Joni iPhone. Joni as a, as a play on Sony, um, but also Joni Ive. Um, so the Joni prototype... It's, it was made to resemble old Sony electronic, um, like an old Sony gadget from the 70s or the 80s. And it's got that square look, that flat edge, and the curve, and the camera bump. Um, and that is why I, it reminds me oh, of a damn. Sony product, of a you know, right. golden My age. Word. Look at yeah, that. the Joni iPhone. Yeah. So, so yeah. that's why. And the speaker grill and the cutouts, like it's very reminiscent of that, which is kind of funny to think about how Apple, Apple prototypes all of these designs and eventually they sort of come back either for practical purposes or for fashion purposes or just because they look good. Um, anyway, it, it looks really nice in practice. It doesn't feel thick. It doesn't feel chunky. It, fe- it actually feels impossibly yeah, thin, I especially the big one, the 12.9. how they have made the iPad thinner. I can't... I can't work it out. The big one, you re- the big one really makes an impression because you're used to have this huge tablet, and now it's smaller nah, and lighter it's, it's and fake. thinner, and it's <laughs> it's very nice. <laughs> it feels very nice. Uh, the small one, the eleven, the eleven inch one. At first sight, it kind of looks like uh, one of those old Android tablets that didn't have a four by third um, form factor aspect ratio. Um, because it's it's longer on the uh, in in landscape essentially it's wider it looks kind of weird in photos i think it's fine in practice um with this change do you know if it shows uh apps in the full compact like in the full size class okay. i don't i don't think it does i don't think it does so at class. least not in the simulator it does not yeah so i know um so i've ordered both right and I'm interested okay. to try them out to see to see if like I actually do still want both in my life because everyone that I know that has been including you including Marco has said to me and Jason as well like you're only going to need the 12.9 now because it's small enough and light enough but I'm still I still want to see it for myself like I'm still kind of holding out reservation because it's like I have a 13 inch MacBook Pro right if I see a 15 inch the 15 inch like it's like a battleship still and and this is still kind of the same difference, right? It's still like two inches of difference. 
So I, I'm keen to see how it ends up working out. Now, of course, it was blown out of proportion with the 12.9-inch iPad Pro because it always had the bigger bezels, right? So it's always been, like, massively mm-hmm. larger than than the other iPad size, you know? Like, especially with the 10.5 because the screen got bigger, but the bezels got smaller. And I'm super excited to see what the 12.9 looks like, but I'm still unconvinced that, like, for the way that I use the iPad Pro, that I will only want one of them. So I need to see it for myself. And the only way I can do that is by ordering them both. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, uh, so anyway, we were talking about the design. It looks good, and it feels mm-hmm. good when you, when you hold the iPad. Um, so um, I want to talk about quickly the... Yep compatibility mode that um uh sort of uh, a bunch of people were talking about on twitter um and actually there's a there's a couple of videos that apple published under the tech talks uh channel uh sort of developer videos that you can watch it's uh especially the first one it's an eight minute video that explains how developers can adapt their apps for the new ipad pros and one of the one of the changes is that um the ipad pro the 11 inch so the new 10.5 essentially um, does not have a f- uh, the same aspect mm-hmm. ratio as the old one. So if your app is has basically been hard coded to check for that aspect ratio, it's not going to work well with the new safe area insets um, approach that Apple has been pushing since the iPhone 10 days with the virtual. So home this is computer. kind of what we saw with the Apple Watch too, right? Where like. Because because the because the screen edges are curved, there's different considerations needed. But also, there's a the problem on iOS devices is that you yeah. have this virtual home indicator that can can conflict Taps, with yeah. uh, with tap bars, especially especially if you code a custom tap bar right. that doesn't use the native APIs and you don't mm-hmm. use storyboards and all that. Um, so the thing about the these new iPads in in split view. So, because you can put multiple apps in split view, let's assume that you're using one app that has been updated for the new iPads and has been uh, linked against the iOS 12.1 SDK. So, uh, one app has done all of the things they're supposed to do to work well on the new iPad Pro, but the but the other app in split view hasn't. So, you're using an, an app that's been updated and an app that has been uh, that has not been updated. The result on the new iPad Pros is compatibility mode, which is essentially a punishment for the app that has been updated because the old one that is causing problems will be put in this kind of letterbox mode. So there's go- Apple is going to force a safe area inset on both mm-hmm. apps. So even the new one that has been updated will be put into this safe area uh, mode, this compatibility mode, uh, so that it can work with the other app that has not been updated. So you will see, I think it's, it's going to look like a black bar, like a thin black bar all around, the, all around both apps so that the virtual home indicator can be unobstructed by, by the other app. Um, which means that developers better update okay, awesome. their apps for the again. new iPad Pros. But it also means that as long as you have an app that has not been updated and you try to use that in split view, <laughs> looking at you, Google, uh, every other app will suffer if you try to put that app in split view with the, with the, with the old one. Um, based on what I heard um, from, from, you know, 
first-hand and second-hand sources and friends who worked on this stuff. This was a lot of work. Like, it's, it's been months in, in the making. Like, people were working on this stuff many months ago. And it's a lot of work to, to come up with this compatibility mode and, and find a way to, uh, to make it work um, easily for users, um, but also reliably, and to find a solution that works for old apps and apps that have also been updated. Uh, it sounds easy, but under the hood, I don't think it was easy. So it's fascinating to me. Yeah, it's going to be a shame. Stuff. If they had done a different screen size, if they had kept the the X and Y axis like the the same proportions, would this have been a problem if they had just scaled it up to like whatever it is? I think it would have it would have been a problem to the extent that th- the problem on the iPad is the split view. It's that you're you're using two apps at the same time, and one of them can be all good and updated, and the other is not and the virtual home indicator is sitting in the middle of them so because there's that indicator it becomes a problem even for the app that has been updated for the new ipad pro so even if the screen was the same so it's going to be on both then it's going to be on the 11 and the 12 9 will have the same problem right because of the home indicator yeah because you have that virtual you have the home indicator, which is kind of long, actually, <laughs> on the iPad. Uh, you have that one in the middle, uh, so that causes problems. Hopefully, this will be resolved quickly, but still, this compatibility mode is in place for all of those old apps. Well, we, I guess we can... You know, it's like one of those things. I think it will take time, but it will happen. Like, there's still apps that I use every day yeah, for the Tennis Max that I can see haven't been updated, right? Like, this is just... If you're on the bleeding edge of of iOS hardware, this is something that you're used to by now. That like it just takes time, but developers get there. It's like Google will be the joke for a while, but we know that they'll do it. They've always done it. It just takes them a long time, so we'll just have to live with it until then. Um, I want to talk about a couple of spec stuff now. We already know the A12x is super powerful. Like it's amazing, more powerful than basically anything else, right? Like I was listening to the assistant ATP live last night because I'm on Eastern time, so I could do that. And they were kind of joking about how the fact that like the the this iPad, the A12x, is like more powerful than any laptop chip that Apple ships right now. It's just this obscene amount of power. I want to get into a minute of comparing those because I know Stephen has a really good analogy that I want us to talk about. But I want to talk about RAM because there's been some stuff about the RAM in these machines. Federico, what's going on here? Um, again, based on what I'm hearing, um, all the non-one terabyte models so 64, 256, and 512, um, they have 4 gigs of RAM. The 1 terabyte model has 6 gigs of RAM. And my understanding is that uh, this was necessary to handle that amount of storage. So to have more memory to manage the fact that you're using a 1 terabyte iPad. Um, Apple, of course, is not talking about RAM. Uh, but people have been digging into the code and uh, Steve Chalden Smith found uh, code strings that suggested that the new iPad Pros had 60 gigs of RAM. But what I'm hearing and some other people are also hearing is that that's only for the one terabyte model uh, and it was necessary to for storage man- management, essentially. So um, 
I I want to run Geek, Geekbench, of course, on these things. Uh, if if I um, if I'll end up with a one terabyte version, I don't know yet. Um, but yeah, it would have been nice to know. Uh, but Apple is never going to talk about RAM uh, publicly. Do you think that like that that RAM will make a, an effective daily impact? Like you need it for the storage, but do you think it's going to make the actual iPad run any differently? I don't know. I think it will be. Uh, I I don't think it will. Uh, I I think he would be hard pressed to find apps on the on the iPad Pro that require more more than four gigs. Also, in the future, I don't think Apple will ever do something like only the one terabyte 2018 iPad Pro can access this feature. Like I could see them l- limit certain functionalities based on generation not based on storage size of a specific generation. So I think it'll be Yeah, fine. if it's like the RAM and the 10R versus the 10S, then it but it's needed for storage management, which I don't know if I fully understand. Then in practice it it probably won't make a difference, right? Like if they've done it because they need it from a technical perspective, chances are side by side you would never notice. Whoa, this one only has 4, it does this, but this one has 6, so it can do this other thing like um I would imagine in practice they're effectively identical. So let's talk about the power of these machines. They're incredibly powerful, right? And can they can it be used to it to the full effect of the power? Um I don't think I mean I think it's kind of obvious that right now you're only seeing half of the uh, of the bigger picture for the iPad because there's a the big missing piece is the software. Uh, one of my disappointments from this event is that we didn't see any any pro app by yep. Apple for the iPad Pro. We just got the hardware. So there's a lot riding on next year's WWDC and what Apple is gonna do in terms of iPad software. And if they're going to show that these powerful iPad Pros can run things like Logic or Xcode or uh, Final Cut, for example, um, I think right now, yes, you can you can buy a new iPad Pro and you can run reminders on it, uh, which is fine. You can run, you know, uh, <laughs> Spark email. Uh, not to say that those apps are, you know, it's not a uh, criticism for those apps. It's just, uh, you know... That they're not going to grind everything to a halt. No, uh, I mean, there's a. I had a demo of the new Pixelmator photo app, uh, which now we're talking about, you know, this pro prosumer type product uh, that uses machine learning to apply uh, modifications to photos, like really powerful stuff. You can have multiple layers, you can do all kinds of edits. Um, but I, I still think, uh, you know... And of course, Photoshop, right? Like Photoshop is coming to that's, iPad. But that's, no, that's no joke, right? Like, that is going to be a huge deal. Next year. We're still talking 2019 for all of these apps. So yeah. I think the ecosystem of iPad software, I think it's grown over the past few years. Oh, it has. I, I'm, yeah. I don't... I don't I don't agree with uh, with the with most people that I see on Twitter saying that iPad apps are still like like iPhone apps or mini apps. I disagree no. with that. I think things have changed a lot and people have a short memory. But they are sitting in the middle right now. They're though, in right? the like middle. They were yes. like iPhone apps, but like they are getting better. There's a lot of powerful stuff, but it's we're not at the Mac level yet. Not yet. Yet. Which is what... We will. I, I think it's happening. Which but. I also think it's going to happen, and I think next year is going to be a turning point 
um, both for third-party developers and for Apple. At least that's what I want to believe. Well, or I would at least say it's either next WWDC or not at all, right? Like right. everything that's building to it, if they don't make a compelling story for some kind of professional iPad development stuff or just big advancements to the iPad in iOS, which can make it clear that you could make more powerful stuff, I feel like it might not happen, right? Because you've got this hardware, which is as as good as it's ever been. You have companies like Adobe investing heavily into iPad that if you don't make your changes to iOS to kind of indicate an, an advancement like we had in iOS 11, I just don't know when you would do it, right? Yeah, I mean, Apple can keep doing the demos of AR apps and, and, and photo editing all the time. But at the end mm-hmm. of the day, people, if you're going to sell a computer, you can sell it in two ways. Either it's a gaming computer, so people buy it to play video games with good graphics. <laughs> Xbox One S performance, right? Yeah, right. That was super weird yeah, when they. Sure. That was very strange. Like, okay, great, but like, where's the controller? Exactly. So, like, exactly. we're really happy. So, either you sell a gaming PC or you sell a computer that people can use for work because there's only so much AR <laughs> that you can do, you know? Like, uh, Apple will disagree with you, my friend. <laughs> sure. I, I want to see somebody uh, that doesn't work at an AR company using AR stuff, uh, you know, at least for more than three hours a day. Please let me know if you're one of those people. Um, mm-hmm. And you don't work at an, an AR startup or Apple or Google. Um, so either you sell a gaming PC or you sell a computer that it's that is for work. And work apps mean stuff like heavy audio editing or th- serious 3D graphics or programming or like, you know, all these complex tasks that some apps do exist on the iPad for this stuff, but they're not as powerful as what you can get on a PC or on a Mac. And that is a simple argument. Is it as powerful as the what you can get on, on a desktop computer? No, n- not yet. Um, so it's going to happen next year. Things seem to be moving in that direction. Is the transition going to be completed by next year? I don't think so. We're going to get, you know, Photoshop. The first version of Photoshop on iPad is coming out next year. Uh, I think this is a long process, but it needs to start at some point, and that point seems to be 2019 so far. But we don't know when, we don't know how, we don't know if Apple will participate in this transition that other companies seem to foresee coming on the horizon. Does Apple also see this transition happening with uh, iPads actually turning into computers? Maybe. USB-C seems to be a pretty fascinating indication of that. We can talk about it, maybe. Let's talk about USB-C. But before we do, Stephen, I want, there is an analogy that you've made, which is really cool, and I want you to say it here, too. Yes, uh, I talked about this on uh, a members-only podcast we have here at Relay, but the, the iPad Pro feels like a supercar to me in the sense that you've built something that is incredibly powerful. Like The technology is just cutting edge. It looks great. Like This looks like an exciting product, and it's an aspirational product but one that maybe struggles in like everyday life. Like some some problems that super some supercars have is you have all this power but you can't put it down on the street. Like you you, you just Yeah. You can go 200 miles an hour but the laws stop you from driving it that fast. Yeah. Or like fit or the physics of the world keep you from using all that power because mm-hmm. you just can't you just can't put it down appropriately. And that that's how I feel about the iPad Pro 
is like the hardware, like this hardware looks incredible. Like it looks really good. I love the new industrial design. The A12X seems bananas. Apple keeps throwing shade at Intel saying, hey, you know, we're faster than like 90 something percent of (laughs) notebooks sold last year. That includes almost every MacBook and MacBook Pro. But I think that's about Apple building the case to move to ARM. And I feel like every time they have a new chip and an iPad, it's like, oh, yeah, that could totally run on my laptop. It'd be fine. But for me, at least, and I think for a lot of people, I think even the two of you, the software doesn't unlock all that power. We could talk about USB-C specific examples, but, you know, in looking at Photoshop, that's like the first thing that I've seen that I could use. Like, okay, this would really like take advantage of what this machine has to offer. Mm-hmm. And there are other high-end uh, apps that that sort of tap into that too. But most of the time, I don't... I don't need all that power and I feel like I, I don't have access to it because of like some fundamental things in in iOS that that need to change. You know, there was that report that I think German had that iOS 12 had a bunch of stuff in it that got delayed or got pushed off because they were focusing on stability and performance increases on older devices and they hit those two goals. Like iOS 12 is way nicer in older devices and seems to be far less buggy than iOS 10 or 11 ever were. So now, uh, like to your point, Mike, it is time, like WBC 2019, is time to see what Apple can do with all this iPad hardware. And if they if they want it to be a computer replacement for even more people, because the iPad is a computer replacement 100% for lots of people, and it could be for lots more people who just don't realize it yet. But if they want to move into the next, like, bigger circle out from that center, they need it to do more things. They need it to do things that it does now in a more efficient manner. And that is a story that only Apple can tell, right? Like, third-party app developers are handcuffed by iOS in a lot of different ways that they aren't on the Mac, that they aren't on Windows. And Apple needs to look at those restrictions and really work in a way that developers can tap into what this iPad can do. And I'm super optimistic about that because in the hardware we're getting, it's clear that Apple is paying attention to what people want. Things like a pencil that always charges and is connected with you. We're going to talk about the pencil again in a second. An adjustable smart keyboard, uh, USB-C. These are things that pros want out of an iPad. And so they've said yes, yes, yes to all these hardware things. I hope they say yes, yes, yes to all the software things we want as well. And I, I'm I'm optimistic about that until proven wrong. Like one of the key things that you can say, okay, that there's clearly a difference in the way that they think about the iPad is that they've moved from Lightning to USB-C. Like that is a, a, a sign of something, right, that, that seems positive to me. It's like, okay, we've put an actual computer connector on this thing now. Federico, what do you think USB-C actually means for the iPad line? Like, what can we do right now? What can't it do right now? Like, I'm interested in, in your thoughts on uh, right this. Right now, it seems to be mostly an evolution of what we already had before. So you can do camera import. Um, you can connect to high-resolution displays. And, and Apple seemed to suggest that you can do multiple of those things at once. Like if you have an adapter, you can connect to display and also do camera import. Um, yeah, it does what USB-C should do, right? Like it does the, the chaining. You can use it as a 
you can use your iPad as a power bank for your iPhone by charging other Which devices. Which is so hilarious, but brilliant. It's brilliant. I, mean, I was on a plane and I had my iPad fully charged and I thought, you know, it would be nice if I could actually charge my new Sony headphones, which have USB-C from my iPad. So that, that would be kind of nice. Um, I think, or I should say, I want to believe that USB-C is a sign of more to come in terms of adding proper I.O. support to the iPad Pro line. Um, I think it's ridiculous, honestly, that you still cannot connect a USB-C drive to the iPad Pro and have it show up as a location in the Files app. I've, especially, I've now. especially now. I've mentioned this on Connected multiple times at this point. Um, and that's like uh, like obvious material for iOS 13 or even an, an update to iOS 12. Uh, our friend Steve Trouton Smith uh, on Twitter is actually making this argument right now that it is extremely trivial to write this kind of disk access uh, on iOS with the existing APIs and frameworks that are available uh, to read stuff from a USB drive. And, and give it a native UI in files. Um, that I, I'm pretty sure that that would solve most of the problems that people have when it comes to file management and storage and backups on iOS and the iPad. Um, but also, right now, if you try and use USB-C with an external monitor, my understanding is that it basically treats the second monitor as a, as, as a window for specific portions of your content so if you're using iMovie you can see the video uh, on on the big display or if you use a keynote you can mirror the presentation on the display it's not like you're actually adding a second display to the ipad you're just putting some parts of your content onto the second display so it's not like on a Mac that you actually have a display management screen in preferences and you can see I'm using two displays with my, with my computer now. Um, that seems kind of obvious that in the future you will be able to use your iPad Pro on the go or on a desk. And then when you sit down and you connect a USB-C cable, you're going to have your iPad Pro and you're going to have a second display running iPad apps, but much bigger. Does that mean that those apps will use some kind of windowing system? Does it mean that you're going to have split view at a much bigger size with perhaps multiple tabs for each app in the split view? Does it mean that you're going to do multi-app split view, like three apps at once or four apps at once on the big display? That stuff could be done with, in theory with these iPads. Uh, and that kind of CPU and USB-C and an external display. But it's not possible right now on these iPads. So my interpretation of USB-C is that it's a, it's a first step to take the iPad more seriously as a computer by giving it... It's a strong message to give it a different connector than the phone. It's sort of moving away from that idea that we've been hearing since 2010 that the iPad is a big phone. Now the iPad shares the same connector that is on a MacBook. And that's a powerful message saying this is not an... Almost like saying this is not an iOS device anymore. This is a computer that runs iOS. And that is just... It, I feel like the connector is an example of that theory. But right now it's yeah, a theory. Well <laughs> Yeah, it's a powerful message once they actually say something. Exactly. Right, right. It's like they've rolled out a big stage and they haven't 
like gone out there yet to tell the story. And it's like the the possibility is there, but they haven't done it. What what I keep thinking about is let's just say all this like magical stuff is coming in iOS 13. What if it had come out in iOS 12 and we were now, you know, three or four months into iOS 12 and you can do all this stuff, but the lightning port's the problem, right? Oh, I can mount an SD card or bring an external drive in, or I can run more apps at once or like files is like a real file manager, but you have to deal with lightning adapters and lightning is slow and annoying. You know, we would all be scrambling for USB-C and be really glad it's here and it would be a more complete story. But instead we're in this weird with this weird world of like, well, it seems like they're going to do something. They have all the cards lined up, but they haven't actually mm-hmm. executed yet. So uh, I agree with you. It's a big statement, but they need to finish the statement. <laughs> What's, um, uh, I'm thinking of the, of the meme uh, of uh, Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Of uh, him having all the, <laughs> the with the with all the paper on the wall and the strings lining, yeah, this is how it is. <laughs> this is what it's like trying to understand where the iPad's going. It's like there are all these signals, and Look we're just trying to find a link between them. It's USB C <laughs> and all these things. Yeah, uh, it's everything is a theory uh, at this point. We added oh, so that you actually get a eighteen watt USB C charging brick in the box, Yay. Now, which is great. <laughs> nice. Okay. That's great. Yeah. Hooray. That's what USB brought us. So we added USB-C. We lost the headphone yeah. jack. Yeah. No. Mm. Uh, it's, <sighs> a, it's a problem for, for example, for DJs or, you know, um, people who... People, people that who, watch movies on planes. People who watch movies on planes. People who <laughs> make music. Uh, people who use the headphone jack for all kinds of creative purposes. Um, it's a problem and you're going to have to buy a dongle. And this is a, basically the same discussion we had when this stuff happened on the Mac before. Now it's happening on the iPad Pro. So um, it's a shame. Uh, I feel like the iPhone jack was more needed on the iPad than the iPhone. Personally, this is not a, it doesn't affect me. I know that it affects other people. And so I get why they're going to complain about it. So I get it. I, I just find it frustrating. So I, I have... AirPods. I don't use them on planes for reasons we, t- we spoke about uh, recently because you drop them and they're gone forever. You may have trouble they're not hearing loud them. Enough. They're not loud enough. That's that's another big problem. And so I was on several flights last week and I used my lightning uh, earbuds and they were fine. So not loud enough, but at least I'm not going to lose them. And I could transition from listening to a podcast on my phone to watching something on my iPad. Just unplug it from my phone and plug it into my iPad. Now, that's not going to be possible. Apple does sell a USB-C to 3.5 millimeter uh, adapter. So I guess I'm just going to have dongles for this now. But the thing that that just really bugs me is like the iPad is so flexible because people use it in so many different ways. And a headphone jack, like whatever, it's old fashioned. But like, A, you can't tell me it's because of room in the iPad Pro. Like Mm -hmm. it's not about room. It's about wanting to make the statement. Totally. And and they think that that people have moved on and I just find it frustrating because it limits the flexibility of the device. If it had two USB-C ports, then I could have power and headphone, but I got a a tweet or an email from somebody saying they work as an AV tech in a theater and they use iPads to play music and stuff during productions. And that was great because you could have it charging because like in a production environment, you want power to all of your devices, but now that's not, that's not feasible. Um, 
Um, I just yeah. find it frustrating. I, I think it's going to be something that I definitely miss more on my iPad than I did on my phone, just because I, I use my iPad in, in in various ways that I don't always use my iPhone XS. So it's a bummer. It, it really, it's the saddest thing about this hardware to me by far, and it's going to take some uh, take some getting used to. I'm not going to let it ruin it, you know? Like, I've been thinking about it, like I'm annoyed, but I'm not going to let this ruin it. I just need to work out what my situation, like, what am I going to do, right? Because I, I bought a dongle, which I'll put on my over-ear headphones that I keep in my travel backpack. Yeah. So I'll just keep it on there. But if I use that dongle, I can't charge at the same time. So do I need a different dongle that maybe I could charge? But I guess it's going to be a, a, a long-term thing for me. I don't really want to get bluetooth over ear head- headphones mm-hmm. really because i don't want to have to have another thing that i need to think about charging um so i'm just gonna see i'm just gonna see how it goes yeah you know like for, apple might bring out these head pods and then maybe that changes everything again i don't know <laughs> um i'm just gonna have to wait and see but for now i'm just gonna i have a dongle on the way my dongle arrives on friday i'm so excited uh and then uh, i'm just gonna put it on my headphones that go in my bag and i'm just gonna leave it there i'm gonna see how it goes over time but yeah it's a frustration but i will let this one go because i think everything else is so awesome <sighs> oh boy what do you think about the price increases? Oh, mm, people are upset. And I think they, uh, I mean, yes, they, they are more expensive. And especially... Like a couple of hundred dollars more or something, uh, it's right? It's especially bad for for the for euros, I think. Uh, I mean, you can easily get to the point where you're, you're spending um, 2,000 and a couple hundred euros to get an iPad Pro. And the keyboard is like... Yeah. The so, keyboard is like twenty two hundred euros. It's like uh, uh, that. That's an insane amount of money for the for the keyboard folio. Uh, but so I would say, just on the on the on the actual price of the the iPads, I care more about the price increase in dollars because that's what Apple is saying the product is worth. The issue when you go outside of dollars, especially into Europe and into the UK right now is there is a lot of price changes because Apple is betting on economy changes. And I think that that's a different argument. Well, do people do people necessarily care about that? Like, it's still 2,000 euros. And yeah, yeah, I know. But I'm, I'm just saying, look, that if the iPad say the same price in America and different prices in Europe, then that's a different discussion because that's purely based upon economic changes that Apple's trying to hedge against. So, like, I, I think that the conversation is more interesting about, like, what is the price in dollars? Because in theory, that shouldn't change, and because that's where Apple's based, and they're not hed- potentially not hedging against any economic changes. So yes, I know it's go- I know everything's more expensive in the UK and Europe, but that's been the case for all Apple products over the last yeah, year. But they're all getting more expensive but it's because the economy is really bad. Like I'm not saying it's not bad. Like it is bad. Like it, I just spent an obscene amount of money on yeah. these things. But but I'm just saying that like they did put up the price in dollars. And why did they do that? Like that that's kind of the because it's like that is an, a discussion which is slightly different to the discussion of putting prices up outside of the US. Sure. I'm not discounting it. I'm just saying it's different yeah, because yeah. they've been putting up prices in the in outside of the US all year without changing the prices in the yeah. US, like of all their products. Um and also they're disproportionate. So like what they're going up in percentage in the US is different to, to outside of the US. And there's reasons for that, which is not just Apple putting up their prices to increase ASP or whatever. They're like doing that plus something different. But the, but the iPad Pros have gone up in price 
everywhere. So I think that that is a more kind of pertinent discussion to talk, to look at this iPad Pro. Why have they made the iPad Pro more expensive? Which is not just they're hedging against Brexit or whatever. So that's a really long way of saying that the iPad Pros are more expensive. Yeah, I, I don't I don't love it. Uh, I think that this stuff should be accessible to more people over time, not fewer people over time. Yeah, but, and, but I can look at these devices and see why they're more expensive, though. Like, I, I can look at it and be like, yeah, okay, I see that. But they don't have to be. Like, they don't... Well, they don't, in theory. This is like a Tim Cook Apple kind of move, and... So something like the smart keyboard. Okay, the the new smart keyboard folio has a lot more material to it. Uh, It's like $200, which is bonkers. But I can see how they got there on that. Like I I can see it in some of the devices like you can. But my my biggest problem is that it's not that I can't see how Apple justifies it. But it's that it's just like the core problem that this stuff, if if the iPad Pro is the future of Apple's computers... Like the why is it two hundred dollars more than it used to be uh, than it was two days ago? Two hundred does feel like a lot, right? Like that does feel like a lot. A hundred, I would be more like willing to understand. Two hundred is a lot on a product that's a thousand dollars. Two hundred is a big percentage, and yeah. yes, you can get like so. Like the ten point five is still for sale at six forty nine, I believe. But like that's Apple's favorite move is to make the old one cheap. But it's the problem I have with that cheap iMac. If someone buys the entry level of anything on Apple's line, is that the lasting impression Apple wants to leave? Is that product something that Apple can be proud of? Now, in the case of the 10.5-inch iPad Pro, yes, it's still a really good iPad. I'm actually going to hold on to mine for a while because I haven't ordered an iPad. But the the Apple's like mantra of like things just slowly ratchet up over time, I don't like it because I, I buy a bunch of the stuff. I don't like it because it... it it, every time they do it, it forces some segment of their consumer, their customer base, uh, either into a purchase they really can't afford, but they sort of figure it out, or it pushes people out, and it's just not a good look for like the world's wealthiest company to continue to raise prices slowly over time. Like yeah. I, Apple's not a charity. Apple Apple's stock price is based on ASP and on future growth, and the way Apple sees growth is to make more money and to do that unless they're selling a lot more of these things they make the price go up so this the people who buy them pay more they end up making more at the end of the quarter i understand that apple has to do that because they're a publicly traded company like i'm not saying that apple should like make everything free and we should all like get and live in commune with tim cook i'm not saying that what i am saying though is there is a middle ground between those two things where apple used to be really good at Hey, we have this whole new thing. You get all these new features. It's the same price as it was yesterday. Like if you spend the same eight hundred dollars, you get yeah. That doesn't feel like it happens very much anymore. No, and I I think it should. Like Apple stuff. Apple's always been dinged for being more expensive, and from time to time they try to fight that and saying that um oh like the the iMac Pro costs this much. If you build a Dell, it's a thousand dollars more. Like they sometimes get into that. But the way you fix the perception problem of being too pricey is like keep the prices the same when you make the the products better. And if that eats into your margin a little bit at first, I think Apple should be more willing to do that. And it just it's frustrating because it 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 hurts their customers and it's just like that's just a bad look. 
because it's again it's like going back to my point of like i can see why it's more expensive right like you they've they've made these like things they look more technically impressive apple also chooses to make those advancements right and then it could be argued that they make them more technically impressive so they can charge more money right like it's like a chicken and egg situation it is difficult it is a shame that we don't see um what you were saying right they're like and this one is boom the same price as the old one and then the old one gets cheaper and it just that doesn't feel like it's happening as much anymore uh i'm keen to see what happens to the average selling price because if the average selling price goes up then we'll know exactly what happened right that like they're just trying to make more money right because like apple like we can say all this but apple hasn't been proven wrong yet like the iphone asp so we had this conversation with the iphone 10 like holy cow it's a thousand dollars the ASP rose and people bought the iPhone 10. So this year, the 10s and the 10s Max and the 10R, that ASP is going to continue to rise. And and if that happens, and you're Tim Cook, what are you going to do? You're going to keep doing it. You're going to yeah. you're going to find where the limit is. And Apple hasn't Apple hasn't hit that wall yet. Nope. At some point, I believe that they will. Maybe this is the iPad that maybe the iPad wall is here. Maybe it's not. I wish they'd quit playing chicken with it and make products that they can be proud of at all price points. Can we talk about the accessories? Yes. This new Apple Pencil, is it's basically everything I okay. wanted. I am i cannot believe that they have done all of the stuff that they have done in one go. The matte finish excites me because I just think it will feel nicer. Can you confirm, Federico Vitici? It does feel, it does feel, it does feel much nicer than the old one. Um it's, it feels more compact, less, uh, I don't know, it feels like a more serious tool, maybe, than the old one. Less like a toy, more like a functional tool that, that is feels nicer in the hand. Yeah. There were two features that I've wanted since the thing came out, and I've said it basically from day one. One was it for it to be flat on the sides, so it wouldn't roll away because the magnets was was a garbage idea of like the weighting in it. That was that was a silly idea. It's not true. <laughs> it doesn't stop it. It just doesn't stop it, right? Like it's a really fun thing to say that you weight it so it won't roll, but that's just not how physics. And I work. try to make it roll off the table. Um, one flat side helps. I don't think it's still as good as you will like it to be. It still rolls. No, it will uh, be. It will be because I understand the parameters of this because I have pens that are just the same. It will roll, but you have to roll yeah. it. But with one flat side, the way that you would typically put it down, it won't yes. roll. Right. Like If you throw it at the table, yes, it's going to yeah. roll, but that's not what you're doing, <laughs> yeah. right? So one flat side is exactly what I was looking for. Um, that That was like the minimum of it. So I'm super excited about that. Uh, the other was to have a button. Now, it doesn't have a button, but it doesn't. The, the point is, is, I don't care about whether it has a button or not. I care about what the button enables. <laughs> and what the button enables is functions. So in Notes, you can switch tools. But the thing that I'm most excited about is what developers can do with it, which is basically anything they want. And this is a quote from Federico's hands-on article. Federico Vitici says, In my hands-on demo, I was shown an upcoming version of Procreate with a radio contextual menu that appeared upon double-tapping the pencil. Yep. This is my dream. Yes. This is everything I wanted. So the way this works is you're going to have in settings um, some options to set the behavior of the double tap gesture on the pencil. Uh, you can choose to switch between the 
uh, tool and the the eraser uh, you can choose to switch between two uh, recently used tools um, and also you can choose to show the color palette uh, and the way this works for developers they can either implement the system setting so if you're if you if you make a drawing app and you have an eraser you can read the system wide setting and 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 conform to that or you can override the system setting and you can provide your own functionalities this is what i love this this is what procreate does it's like oh do what the system does or do literally whatever you want right <laughs> like i kind of like that choice <laughs> procreate at a at a toggle in its own settings that basically um confirmed if you wanted to enable the custom procreate um double tap feature which is this radial menu that you t- double tap on the pencil and you get this menu pop up in the in the on the screen with some options it's very nice because even in Photoshop, they showed the double tap being zoom in and yeah, zoom out, exactly. right? Which is it's not, a custom. It's you know, a custom thing. Custom. Yeah. So I can't wait to see. I cannot wait to see what you do yeah. with it. Like I'm super excited about look what might happen to some of these apps that use the Apple Pencil. I hope that apps that aren't even necessarily Apple Pencil focused add this functionality as well. Totally. Um, because you can do stuff there. It's basically like a right click. It's a it's a right click, and and I feel like the fact that it's now so easy to carry around the pencil because it just snaps to the top of the iPad, which, by the way, is very satisfying to do. Um, it's going to be more... I think it's going to be more present in, in an everyday workflow than the old pencil that needed management. This one doesn't need... Especially because it charges It now also too. charges and you, get, and you get the pop-up on the screen, the little message that, that just zoots in. That little pop-up... That looks to me like future iOS design. I know, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like WebOS is what it looks like. It looks like WebOS, yes. But there's something about it where it's like, there's no other part of iOS that looks exactly. like that. Like, and it's almost like it reminds me of some of the air power stuff, right? Like the, the mm-hmm. way that charging was shown for air power. Rest in peace. So <laughs> it's really gone. I, I, it's really gone for good. It looks, it's gone. It's dead, it's, right? Like it's, it's 100% it's dead. Gone. The charging pad that shall not be named. <laughs> it's never coming. Um, but like, I see that. And it's like, oh, okay, that's interesting. It's just this little pop up, like this little bubble. It's very cool. But the fact that it magnetically attaches is the thing. That is not going to be a permanent attachment. It won't fall off, but it will fall off. So mm-hmm. it's just something to remember. Like you put it in and out of a bag, it's probably going to yes. come off. But that's okay, right? Because, because you're not going to lose gonna the cap. Hold on. Because there's no cap. No. <laughs> you're going to, it's going to be like where you would expect it to be. But I think it's cool that they've added it. The inductive charging is amazing. Like, so, you know, I got these two things that I really wanted. But the magnetic attachment and inductive charging, never expected that. Like, I didn't think they'd ever do the magnetic attachment because it's a difficult thing to do. And inductive charging seems like Apple Pencil 4, honestly, rather than Apple Pencil mm-hmm. 2. Like, I'm, I'm really excited about this. This is going to make me use the Apple Pencil even more than I was already using it, honestly. Like, and I'm super excited about it. Um, I feel like I don't need any of my customizations anymore. I don't need something to hold it on because Apple's done that for me. And I don't need to add my grip to it because the Apple Pencil won't roll away anymore. So I would still love to see them make it out of aluminium, but that's just a dream. That's a pipe dream of mine. I'm really excited for the Apple Pencil. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the new keyboard real, real quick um, because I have thoughts. Um, so the iPad, the new iPad Pro doesn't have a smart keyboard. It's got a smart keyboard folio, which is, uh, as the name suggests, it's a smart keyboard with a folio case that wraps around the back of the iPad 
It aligns and attaches to the iPad thanks to the 100 and something magnets that are built into the iPad. Um, and it's, it's, a lot of magnets. it's a lot of magnets inside. Uh, it, it looked to me like it was uh, the process of attaching it and removing it was a bit more involved than the, than the old smart keyboard. Like, uh, of course, there's, there's an extra layer of, of the case that you need to manage, but maybe, you know, it's something that you get used to quickly. Um, it supports two viewing angles. So there's a desktop mode uh, where it's got this steep angle that sort of sits in, right in front of your face in theory in vertical angle. And there's a laptop mode that is more, more you know, the, the, the angle is, is more ideal for, for using the iPad on your lap. And in theory, the structure of the folio case should help with laptop use. Um, I am disappointed, though, that all the things that I want an Apple to do have not been been done in this in this product. Mm-hmm. Uh, the keys are not backlit, so still the same setup with the fabric covering the keys uh, without without backlight at all. Uh, I will say, thankfully, it doesn't seem like they've changed the keys. Doesn't doesn't <laughs> seem like I think I think it's the exact same cover, the exact same keys. Um, <laughs> no media function keys at all. There's no Siri key. Yep. There's no home button key, of course, <laughs> because it's gone. Uh, there's no, but not even the the media playback keys that I love on my bridge keyboard. Uh, those are not in the smart keyboard. Um, but. I kind of like it. You know, it's it doesn't add a, a ton of bulk to the iPad Pro. Um I'm going to get it at first because I'm because I have to because there's no other option. You need a keyboard. I need right? a keyboard. I am concerned that the uh, basically the lack of bezels will make it if not impossible really hard for companies like Bridge to make uh, the same setup that we have now with the two clips and the hinge uh, that basically hold the iPad in place yeah uh, I'm hoping they could have something that just clamps to the side I, rather I than guess, hinges to the front I guess that's what they're gonna do but to the side there's a two depth camera so uh, I don't know maybe they can figure something uh, out not, not that high up not though. that like I you up. could do a small I mean, I'm concerned for Bridge because mm-hmm. I don't think either of their keyboards are going to work and they're just shipped a new uh, one. I, I'm just surprised. Yeah, it's rough. Apple, <laughs> uh, this company, Apple... I mean, they like money. That that's a takeaway from <laughs> that's a takeaway from company. from this discussion. That this company likes their their growing, you know, they're raising prices and and money, um, which is fine because it's a public company. That's what they do. I'm surprised they're not asking for like $400 to make an aluminum keyboard that is backlit as a bunch of stuff. I would give you that money because my... my I Just depend, lean into the greed. I, dep- I mean, at this point, sure, I'll throw you a couple hundred extra bucks, but give me an actual keyboard that is backlit and that I can attach to my iPad. Because I'm going to buy the smart keyboard I'm not going to love it. I already know that I'm not, not going to love it. I'm going to cover it in stickers, which is fine. Adds a bit of flair to the iPad. And also, uh, Mike is going to be happy. Why is it just in one color? Come I on. Know, I know. I just, yeah. m- please, Apple, it, you seem to have an appreciation for money, which I understand. Uh, help me help you give you more money <laughs> wow. by making a, a more expensive premium keyboard. I just That's great. Please. The uh, the smart keyboard now has its own web page on the Apple site. I'm not sure if it did before. Mm-hmm. It did. It but did. skimming through this, this feels like how Microsoft treats the Surface keyboards, where it's like, 
it's kind of its own product. Obviously, it doesn't do anything unless you buy the tablet. But they are really leaning into the the features of this thing. And like you guys said, there are just not that many new features. I kind of like nope. that it, it covers the back and the front. I think it looks really nice. Yep. I think it would actually look better with the silver than the space gray. Um, I think the contrast would be nice. But mm. yeah, have some have some options. Have one with the trackpad. Have one with the backlit keyboard. Microsoft does both in their Surface keyboard covers. It's it's clearly possible. Um, my hope for this is just that, so like my pipe dream situation is that they haven't made this product because they they haven't got trackpad support in iOS yet, and when they do, mm-hmm. there'll be a different I product. So. And like this is just this is just the one between then and now. Yeah, I'm gonna miss the wraparound for the media, like just so you can stand it up, you know. Yeah. Like where you can wrap the whole keyboard yeah. around, just did, set it up. Did you ever have that, that work? I, that felt always really floppy to me. Oh, it work. I use it all the time. Um, it, it's always funny on a 10.5 because the angle is basically completely vertical, yeah. which always feels like it's going to explode and just fall over, but it never happened to me. <laughs> I know that's what the, uh, I know that's why they have the two angles, right? So one of them is like, they call it desktop, but it's also so you can watch stuff, right? So it's like, it's, it's more up, but then the keyboard's always in front, which isn't necessarily what I want. They do sell a smart folio, yes. which does yes. this, right? But I don't really want that. <laughs> so, and But at least it comes in pink. So, you know, great news. Pink and white and gray mm-hmm. in that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I am excited for this smart keyboard, though. I'm excited for all of it. And I, we're getting next Wednesday. We're one week away. Just, so yeah. maybe next, ep- next week's episode... Well, okay. So I've bought all of it steven do you haven't bought any have you um, i just bought a mac mini no ipad stuff yet. i think it is best for you to actually try them first because you'll buy one and return it and buy the other one so i think you need to like go to an apple store and actually hold yeah. them i want i want to see it um i'm right now i'm leaning to the 12.9 i bought the 10.5 and i don't know i feel like that i want more screen but yeah i want to see it in person yeah I'd been waiting for these though. Like I, you know, this is this was my big computer purchase of the year, so I'm excited. Federico, have you ordered anything yet? I know you've been on planes. Not yet. Um, I I just came back home and uh, I'm looking into what I what I want right now. Into what what do I want the one terabyte model? Do do I want maybe something less? I don't know. I'm oriented towards the one terabyte model. Also, the dates have already slipped uh, at this point. Yep. Uh, so I, I was busy yesterday. Then I got on a plane, uh, and I and I realized, you know, I I'm probably gonna try to walk into the store and see what they have, um, if, yep. if possible. I'm sure they'll have them. Like I don't think it's gonna be. I don't cra- think crazy a lot of people like are gonna buy these iPad Pros in in Rome. I, yeah. I could be wrong. It took, it took all day for the dates to slip to the next week. So, so. Yeah, exactly. There's going to be some in-store stock, I'm sure. So, so mm. let's hope for in-store stock. Let's hope that Mike's home delivery comes quickly. I couldn't do in-store pickup for these. It just wouldn't mm. let me, which is I hate it because I hate waiting at home for stuff like this. But then hopefully we'll have them to talk about next week. And Stephen, will you have your Mac Mini? Uh, it is. I have it coming on the seventh now. FedEx is usually late in the day, so I may not have it by the time we record. But uh, I actually just looking at the date. So the the MacBook Air is starting to slip a little bit, but the Mac Mini is still shipping on the seventh. Nice, so. nice. What a good job, Mac Mini. It can hold. <laughs> I, I feel like the Mac Mini is one of those things. They're going to sell the vast majority of them in the first quarter, right? <laughs> like everyone who's wanted one. It's one of those things where I think. 
there were more people that were concerned about it being available than will actually buy it. Sure. Right? Yeah. Which is kind of like a funny thing. Like, everyone was like, come on, you got to update it. But, like, no one's really going to buy it. Sometimes uh, people in the Apple community are upset on principle. Like, without... without yes, the principle. <laughs> like, <Sure. laughs> why are you not updating the Mac Mini? Well, they did. Are you buying one? No, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no? What, am I crazy? <laughs> I bought one. Uh, I'm in the... I'm in the chosen few. Yeah, you're 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 doing your duty, right? Like you complained about it, and now you're putting your money where yeah. your complaint well, was. And my home server is falling apart, so it's it's yeah. time. Uh, seven years is a good run for a machine that's on twenty four seven. Yep, I think that does it uh, for this week's episode. If you want to find links to stuff we talked about, head over to relay.fm slash connected slash two sixteen. While you're there, you can get in touch via email, uh, or you can do so uh, on Twitter. You can find Mike there as I M Y. KE and Mike, of course, is the host of a bunch of other shows here at Relay FM. You can find Federico on twi- Twitter at Vitici, V I T I C C I, and he is the editor and chief. Yes, I'm both. I'm I'm both. <laughs> the editor and chief. I love that. Yeah, the, the it's editor in chief, call, which is like a weird turn of phrase. People call me chief. Yeah. Also, yes. So not chief. really. I've been calling you editor. Not really. <laughs> well, you can call me editor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Chief Tichi. Uh, and, you know, so he's he's writing about uh, iPads and uh, shortcuts. He's the Vitici. Oh, my God. Mm. Please wrap the show, Stephen. Please. That's good. good. I like that. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH, and I write 512pixels.net, and also host a bunch of shows here. Uh, I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Pingdom, Linode, and PayPal. Until next week, gentlemen, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Adios.